Great. Sounds totally. good. All right, let's do it. Max, you want to <laughs> take the lead? Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> I'm, too, I'm too sweaty and um, freaked out right now. So. <laughs> Shattered his nerves. <laughs> I'm an illustrator and character designer based in Los Angeles. I'm James Castillo, and I'm a freelance character designer and director living in London, UK. And I'm Nicholas Cole, a character designer and illustrator living in Vancouver, Canada. We're the hosts of Negative Space, a podcast about what surrounds the lives of artists in the entertainment industry. Welcome to our 14th and final episode of the first season of Negative Space. Uh, And today we are welcoming Helen Chen to talk with us about Twitter drama. Well, hi, Helen. Thanks for coming on the podcast. It's been uh, it's been a while since we talked last, um, and uh, I'm, we're really happy to have you here. I, you've brought some very spicy topics to talk about, and we're very excited oh, yeah. to dig into oh, these. Yeah. <laughs> this is the kind of Monday morning we're, that we all expect. <laughs> we're spilling the tea early on Monday. You know, I was just thinking about these, and it's like it's kind of um, it's kind of a good release for me because it's like I ne- I try my hardest, my absolute hardest, never to get into Twitter art discourse at all. Like, not reply to it, not not get into it. You know, not argue with people. Like, my worst nightmare is uh, on Twitter is to like all of a sudden be inundated with like fourteen year old like opinions and stuff if I don't have to be. So. Um, but, uh, but so I thought it would be kind of be fun to talk about it with a little bit more nuance and context if necessary. So it's like, uh, and, 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 you know, whenever these do come up, I do have thoughts about it. I just oh, tamp yeah. them real down real Who tight. Who cares you know? about context? <laughs> Nobody cares about context. <laughs> Twitter's do. not about context. <laughs> I do love, I, I always have thoughts on stuff and I rarely yeah, wait in. I'm always tempted to. Always I know tempted. it's hard, know. right? So this yeah. is your chance. This is all of our chances. Nick you know? never weighs in. Oh, don't! I knew it. I knew you were gonna come to me. Okay, look. Sometimes I wade in. Sometimes I create drama that I didn't even know existed, and then the person that I hurt emerges from the internet mysteriously. Like that's the way I met R.J. Palmer. Was I tweeted something about like. I don't want to see Detective Pikachu. This is stupid. And the, the idea is fundamentally <laughs> stupid. And then RJ Palmer just showed up in my mansions for the first time ever and was like, that hurts, man. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no, I've heard a real person. And then we went DMing and now we're friends. <laughs> and like, it's fine. But Twitter's a dangerous place. Yeah. yeah. You can hurt yeah, all yeah. the RJs. I've been hurt on Twitter for sure. Oh, yeah. I feel like a little, like a little virgin here because I don't <laughs> like... I've, <laughs> Oh. I've never been to any Twitter drama at all, and, I, and I'm too young in this platform to like really have any drama, I guess. And also, like, I realized there's one thing that happens is because of the time difference. What normally happens is that I wake up <laughs> to a bunch of drama that's happened, and I've missed my chance to like win anything. <laughs> and now everybody's asleep, and I just can't contribute anything. <laughs> and all you've seen is the end of it, and now you've got to like backtrack yeah. and, and figure out where the hell it started. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, basically, that's my experience. And then, but like, I find too when you do find the source, more times than not, it's actually not so terrible. Like, it's yeah, it's a totally. lot of it got spun oh. up into a thing. Absolutely. And like, I have Always. this whole theory about just Twitter interactions in general and why this tends to happen. And I just feel like it boils down to two things. It boils down to like somebody tweeting something in a specific context to them that 
people reading it don't understand and apply yeah. their own meaning mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. somebody reading a tweet that is applied to a specific situation that they aren't aware of the like context of and then they're applying it they're like well this doesn't apply to me like mm-hmm. i this, this tweet sounds so confident and like catch all but it's wrong because i'm experiencing something different mm-hmm. and then and then it spins out of control that way and it's like and i feel like uh, like I always approach Twitter, like I, whenever I read a tweet and my gut reaction is, I hate this. I, I think, well, maybe it's not for me. And mm-hmm. then that helps me like not get so worked up about it. Mm-hmm. But I kind of mm-hmm. feel like that's like the source of a lot of, especially, you know, in the grand scale of things, the pettier art discourse, you know, mm. I have, a, I have another theory. I have one thing to add to that. And I'm curious to see if this checks out with the list that we have ahead of us today. But my, I'm like going to try it out on each one, but like, I feel like fundamentally underneath the hood of all of this stuff that makes it tick in our community specifically is an element of jealousy. Yeah. Like deep down somewhere underneath it is like a general unspoken subconscious, like it should have been me. Um, or, or at okay. least a personal, like, or a personal, like, uh, cause I think, feel like, especially for art, it's so tied to our egos. Yes. Whether that means like how we feel about our and it's tied to how we feel about ourselves. Yeah. So I could see that. I mean, I don't know if jealousy is the specific emotion, but there's something yeah. in there about just how um, personal, you know, we all end up taking these things because art is so tied to us, you know, like that our insecurity or yeah, something like that. Yeah. 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 I think like yeah. if, if, if you are in a, in a very secure and happy and confident place in your career, you are much less likely to end Be up on Twitter. like <laughs> caught up. Yeah. Or, or, or just like caught up into like a conversation about stuff that you don't really care about because you, you are yeah. on your own path and you're doing your own thing. And it's, it, I, yeah, I think jealousy implies that you are comparing yourself to but that one specific person if anything is what's the what would be the word um maybe like this being um um oh this is getting boring somebody please take this from me <laughs> and carry on <laughs> for those at home uh, james has had pra- basically the worst morning of technical difficulties that he's ever experienced on negative space. so if he sounds like his soul has been broken slightly uh, it, has. it has yes he has a little bit yeah, um unfulfilled career-wise more than jealousy if anything i would say underneath unfulfilled is a sense of of Mm -hmm. the jealous though right like i wish i was more here are people who seem more fulfilled than me and i wish that i felt that fulfillment and maybe jealousy is too pointed sounding but i think that maybe envious yeah envy maybe envy is a more general that's good you know we all put in so much work well you know people who probably feel is more more likely are like putting in a ton of work and maybe not feeling the return in attention or in career or whatever it is might, they might be feeling. I mean, God knows I yeah. was there before the internet oh, noticed yeah. me, you know, like it, it's, it's like, why not me? And then I look back and I was like, well, you know, I got better <laughs> and I, and I found my voice and I, I think I like developed a little bit of a brand or some consistency in yeah. my work that allowed people to hook into it. But it's like, when you're in the middle of it, it's hard to see that clear, that clearly, hmm. you know, only from a distance after it worked. There's definitely that element that from the outside, it feels like if you don't like somebody else's work for whatever reason, it could be a different taste, a different style that you don't like or whatever, but they have an audience, you just feel like, how could anybody like this? And you, and you create this defensiveness mm-hmm. that like, mm-hmm. that you kind of, you, you start applying this, like you don't, you are undeserving of all that attention just because I don't like that specific look or a specific yes, style. Yeah, right. And what they're forgetting too, is that like Twitter is its own 
or in, in social media is its own skill, really, to a certain extent. You know, you have to like, it's not just about being great at art, although, of course, that's, you know, for us, that's very important. But like, there's yeah. a, a skill to posting well or finding your voice in a way that's semi-consistent and attractive to people. And there's a know? ton of luck involved in mm-hmm. all of Absolutely. that, too. You know, just like hitting the right time of day, hitting the right person mm-hmm. who retweeted it at the right moment. Like, yeah. uh-huh, uh-huh. all of that is... And I should... I want to clarify with the jealousy or envy thing. Like, I am projecting hard because that has <laughs> been my story. Like, that... Yes. Like, we had Claire on the podcast, Claire Hummel, and, like, we went to school together. And I think we ultimately confessed to each other, like, we were just jealous of each other for for years just like mm-hmm. trying to like f- elbow for our space and it felt like a zero-sum game where like one of us has to be that person you know in the friend group or in the context of things and even just fundamental things like well she's from california so of course things are working out for her oh my god yeah, <laughs> yeah it's so real. funny um no but, but i think that that's 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 so true for like a lot of these topics too that I, like uh, dude i put out a twitter thread today it was like you guys got some discourse for me and it was like <laughs> within like 20 minutes i had a whole list but, it, but it's uh but a lot of the things that come up i feel like um has to do with a, a little bit of that like like uh like even today when i put out the thread um somebody commented you know i realized through some of these discourses that happened what's the, is that the right word is it like just dis, yeah discourses this guy, that happened. this guy i don't know <laughs> i don't know um that happened they realized that a lot of the times people are actually working through other things that aren't necessarily yeah. the exact topic on the surface surface exactly. you know and i think that that's mm. so true that's gotta be it and um and and reading that tweet i was like oh my gosh yeah that's it that's you know that's part of it as well so probably a lot of people like, who are just really hangry well, there. I mean, dude, there's that too, you know, and 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 everybody has their like little triggers, you know. For me, I I, I always bristle when I see any sort of like um any sort of like any just uh, even a slight like a snide look, like a side eye towards any of like my favorite like foods. Like if anybody looks at kanji weird, I'm like I can't. I I'm immediately pissed. Like food of what i grew up eating i love it yeah. like you are not allowed to you know like stuff like that too so i get it um yeah. but hopefully when we're talking through all this everybody listening can also take everything with a grain of salt we're just three people and we could have shitty opinions and if you disagree it's totally fine mm-hmm. <laughs> but please don't tell me on twitter i don't want to i don't want to hear it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. don't at me don't that's at weird. Us. we should call the episode <laughs> don't at me oh my god that's a great i'll make idea. you a note of that that's going to be the name of the episode <laughs> don't at us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, like people are also allowed to be wrong and um, it's, a, you know, and, and eventually if they, you know, if you can correct them, fine. But sometimes when you're correcting them, you're correcting them to your standards when it's okay to, for people to just have different opinions too. Like there's plenty Absolutely. of movies I've yeah. watched where people love and I just can't. Yeah, It's also okay to like totally. walk past somebody like doing something shitty and stupid and just like pass by and not say anything and just let them yes. deal with their crap. You know, that's okay yeah. too. You don't have to always uh-huh. weigh in and like tell them what you think about what they're doing. It's fine to just be like, nah, you know what? Just carry yeah. on with your stupid shit. I'm just going to move on with my life and just do whatever. All right. So we yeah. start with this. Like what's the first one in the list? Yeah. So we're, so we're kind of doing a lightning round, right? We're going to just like hit on a bunch of topics, right? Okay. 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 So wait, wait, should, with... should we say that everybody gets to say like two sentences worth of their, worth of like their piece on it and then we'll move on? That's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. okay. Everyone okay. chimes in on each one. Okay. 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 And then okay. We, we move on. To the and then we one. can extend if we feel like it. But I think, yeah, I think that's a yeah. great, 
We'll okay. flag if we feel like it warrants extra discussion. Sure. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay cool. So first one up. Uh, it's art school, just period. Yes. Okay. So, so well, okay. So this comes up a lot. Like people are like, should you go to art school or not? Like that's the main like uh, kind of thing. And it's like, for me, I'm just going to jump in because I have lots of thoughts and feelings, guys. Go for it. Go um, for it. For I went to art school um, and I found it very helpful. Like I am a, the type of person that craves a little bit of structure and discipline. And also um, there's a part of me that likes to get A's. Uh, that's probably yeah. just the, I don't know. I don't want to totally blame it on my upbringing, but it probably has something to do with that. Like I like <laughs> validation in the form of report cards, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Um, but like, uh, but, but also, uh, but also I don't want to, you know, like glaze over the fact that there are just so many different options now online and otherwise that are a lot more affordable, a lot, uh, some of them are even more connected to the industry than just traditional art school is. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, and no matter what route you go, I feel like art school or not to out art school, like what you get out of it, either path you take is what you put in. So there's, yeah. there's paths to success, success from either um, realm and your main like when you're making the decision and you decide maybe going into debt to the tune of a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars isn't for you and you are self-motivated enough to take these other options then go for it you know so like i i just don't know why there's um so much discourse around this topic specifically because it's so personal like everybody's situation is so different like i would never feel confident telling somebody, oh, you have to go to art school or you, oh, you can't, you know, like it all depends on what they're willing to do and if they're willing to take on that financial burden or not. Exactly. Yeah. I think like the one thing that would make people feel more comfortable at this discourse is the idea is what you just said, is the idea that it's not the only way into the industry to go to an art school. Because I think that sometimes mm -hmm. that's basically, that's yeah. the idea that most people have is that, oh, mm -hmm. just because I can't afford to go to school, I will just never get into the industry. And, you know, we, we all know cases of that, that that are not like that. I mm -hmm. am an example. I never went to art school. And I managed to, to find my way in. It's different. It's a little bit less straightforward, but you can. And it's also not a free pass into the industry. Yes, like, that's I know true. many people who studied something and didn't end up there. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I mean, like uh, that's a great point too, Max. Because it's like, because I heard if I wanted to work at Disney, I had to go to Cal Arts, right? Mm -hmm. I applied to Cal Arts and I didn't get in. You know, and so we ended up going into another school, art school. Um, it's well, no, it's not like that. Uh, but but okay, a little bit. But like, but no. But it's like, <laughs> but that's the thing. That was like, you never really know where your path is gonna take you. Yeah. And and it's kind of um, mm. it. I, I, it's definitely not a foregone conclusion either way. And to frame it that way is just kind of strange to me. Yes. Totally. Agreed on all points. Yeah, I think yeah. you know, uh, I had an incredibly positive art school experience. Um, and I would say right off the bat that it is wildly overpriced and and rising in a ridiculous uh -huh. way that mm. I think there's that nuance there where it's like, this was an incredible, like for me, completely necessary thing. Um, but I, the pricing is ridiculous. And if that's not something you can swing, like don't do it and, and pursue any of the number of other ways that there are towards the work that you want to do. Uh, for me, I don't think it was even about like one-to-one -one work. RISD as a school is very like about teaching the artists uh, not to the test, not like to the industry. It was like very much about like kind of uh, going after like artistic principles and illustrative principles and stuff like that. And I think that I needed those things. I didn't need like necessarily a school that could like 
sort of funnel my work sort of precisely towards a portfolio that would get me into the industry. Cause I was already very like, I draw Spider-Man and that's what I like. And I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, so I was already very industry minded and it was good to have an experience that was like, you're going to eat your vegetables and draw naked people. Yeah. I was going to say mm-hmm. something in that, in that line is that the idea that going to school, if you're going to go to four years of your life, are going to go to school. It shouldn't just be about getting a job at the end. Mm-hmm. It should be about yeah. much more than that. You know, it should be about like, cause you are giving your, your youth to, to an institution and you're going to spend so much time in there. And it shouldn't just be to, because you want to get a, a job. That shouldn't be the goal. It should be because you want to learn, you want to, you know, hone your craft, you want to like study art, and you want to find yourself through the process of that of being that school. But it shouldn't mm-hmm. be just to get a job. I think that that yes. could lead to a lot of disappointment down the line because that's just not as as, as fulfilling. Because everybody then, yeah. you know, you can then if you then want to go into the industry very heavily, then you take your CGMA classes or schoolism mm-hmm. classes, and you you know you build up a portfolio that is more specific to the industry, and then that you go last in, mile, yeah, yeah. You, you do it on your own and you boom and you push through it. But going, being more interested in just like exploring life a little bit more than just finding a job. Yeah, yeah. I think whether it's art school or whether it's self-directed, I think it's all about creating a healthy relationship with your work. And if that mm-hmm. means a job, great. And if it just means as a hobby, great. Like it is about so much personal relationship that I think it's hard to come up with one answer. But mm-hmm. I, I'm happy that I went to art school. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also just want to touch on really quickly, um, you guys made me think of it is also like, I, I know that we talk about the rising prices of art school, like a lot too, and how oh. prohibitive that is for so many people. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like we like, a like, I, I know, I mean, I don't know how to fix it. You know, I don't know what will mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. But but I kind of wish that there were more kind of you know, that we were more arts minded as a country, um, that it was introduced a little bit earlier in elementary school, more in Mm. depth and more kind of like available to high school students even. So they just don't feel so removed from it as a possible kind of career. Like, I think it's that removal process, like feeling like it's just so out of reach and so far. And the one thing that could get them there is this debt is just kind of so debilitating, you know? And so Mm. it's, it's, that's part of it as well, that I wish there was more kind of like, you know, extracurricular kind of, uh, like uh, programs that are free for communities who need it um, and and just available. Like, I, I feel like everything I learned in school was so useless to me now. I mean, I, I don't know why I took calculus. Like, I don't remember what it did <laughs> mm. for me. And I wish it was more of a, like, you know, going, it, it that high schools in general had more options to give kids mm. a chance to explore their passions a little bit more fully before they have to decide what they want to do with their lives. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I don't. I don't know how to fix it. It's just I don't know if this is a thing. I just it's just something I think about sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get it. We, I, unfortunately, we have to move on to the next question. Uh, <laughs> 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 we all love art school, um, but now it's time to respond to <laughs> the controversial topic. Two D is dead. Is that the full thought? Two D is dead. Well, I, that's the thing is I'm like, everybody's like 2D animation is dead. And I just kind of, my thing is, is that I don't know that it is. I think maybe because. it's, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very vibrant. Um, and it's such a America or like Western animation specific mm-hmm. thought process yeah. mm-hmm. that it's yeah. just kind of strange. I mean, yeah, like, look, I'm in London, every single studio, there's like a, a two dozen studios in London. All of them are running out of 2d animators like by the day everybody's like mm. doing like everything that, that that every animatic that comes out for 
Apex Legends or like the League of Legends stuff. All that stuff is 2D animated. All of that stuff has like some 2D animation in it. There's just like, they are all like overworking. So there's like, like Space Jam just came out and it has a bunch of 2D animation in it. Mm-hmm. Like in Ireland that like Cartoon Saloon is making movies like every yeah. three years that are like winning Oscars. 2D animation in TV has never been in, in a higher quality, like Castlevania, come on. Like that's oh, just yeah. like so fucking crazy. And, it, mm-hmm. and it's, it's done in the US. Like this, and the 2 animation is, is everywhere. I don't think it's, it's it, there definitely was a moment where it probably felt like it, 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 it was taking a little bit of time to like find its its move again but now it's just like everywhere like yeah like we were talking about spider-verse like that movie wouldn't look like like the way it does without people that knew 2d Mm -hmm. so it's always it's always gonna be there i don't know i don't think there's like that much more to say about 2d i I think maybe more specifically what they're saying when they say 2d is that is they say disney isn't making 2d and 2d films anymore and it's so specific to that one studio and that one thing but they but they say in such a broad way but it's Mm -hmm. but you're totally right it's totally um not true at all i mean um like there's so many great 2d animated tv shows and the t like tv as a format now after streaming um has is Mm. is is a totally different thing than what it meant you know even 10 years ago like like just the the respect it has um you know this type of stories that it gets to tell in that format like my friend rad just did his show kipo and it's like one of my favorite things that has come out recently um and it's and it's beautiful yeah 2d totally had it done in korea i think um Mm. so so yeah so no totally on point james Yes. Yeah, I, I think okay. I want to come in with a slight counterpoint on that. Just like I think trying to envision like the the way people feel when they they mourn the fact that two D is quote dead, um, is that it's fallen out of that slot culturally of like of being the only thing around first and foremost. I mean that was mm-hmm. it for decades, right? And then like I think like the prestige of that is something people like are fighting over. You know, the feeling of like we used to be or 2d used to be the thing and now it's not the thing anymore and that era is kind of um not because it's not prevalent and there aren't many examples but maybe because it's not in those spaces that we award like a particular like ah you know feature animation is a particular like prestige thing Mm -hmm. um and that's because the budget and the talent kind of gets drawn to it what do you guys think i don't know man like this year we had Wolfwalkers was at the Oscars. On the Annies, there's always like things yeah, that win two D. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to, like every year. There's also like some some Japanese or Chinese animated movie that does it, like come oh. like comes to the West and and is nominated for best animated film. I don't know. I think it's it's still there. I maybe what you're saying like maybe it's right. Like Klaus, for example, is a good example of like something that mm. elevated two D a lot. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I think it's about I what's reaching think... the mainstream, you know, like for the people who mourn it, I think it's really just like the people who barely have their eye on animation. It just doesn't really reach them in every case. Right. You know, like if Disney's not doing it, they're probably not paying attention. Um, and so like, maybe it's just that it, it doesn't hit the highs that they used to expect and they have fond memories of little mermaid or whatever. And so they're, mm. they want some of that back, you know, and they just, Oh yeah. It. Maybe it's fair. the nostalgia aspect mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. I also think there's yeah. a lot of like uh, priority given to 2D because it looks harder. I think everybody thinks the computer does all the work and it obviously doesn't. We all know that's true. And so, you know, I think it's just easy to to like misunderstand what goes into 2D versus 3D. And at, at a time, 2D was extremely 
uh, technologically advanced. And now 3D is the technologically advanced thing. And we're able to tell richer stories because of it in some cases. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, I think it's just a matter of perspective and understanding what we're talking about and why. Yeah. I think also like in the terms of like the reality of of young people in, in Twitter reading that sort of stuff when they're making choices where to where, where to take their careers i don't know a single 2d animator right now that is not working full-time yeah no question so mm-hmm. yeah 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 oh that's good this next goes into our next topic which is uh the, the 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 one that i have fought um a lot of my career and formative you know artistic years which is anime is bad for you and you shouldn't do it <laughs> wow Juicy. Okay. Yikes. You ever okay. you ever get that? Raise your uh, hand if, <laughs> if you have not been influenced by anime in your life. We've all nobody been, raised right? their hand. Love it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. I just realized. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's an audio <laughs> medium, guys. <laughs> I realized. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Clap. Clap I will people say. If you... <laughs> oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. What was the question? I just clapped out of instincts, but I don't want to disagree. How about let's just I all say, say like, animation or anime was a huge influence on all of us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course. I don't know anyone who wasn't a big fan of some anime like when they absolutely. were like starting out. Totally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I never had an anime phase, though. I will say that. Like, I never had a... It's coming, anime. Nick. You never know. It might be tomorrow. <laughs> it, could, it could happen. It could legit could. But I never, like, drew, tried to draw on the style of the anime that I liked. I was really influenced by a lot of the stuff that came through, like, Toonami in the, like, early 2000s. But uh, I still wanted to, like, do... But then I did... I turned to American comics, and the ones that I liked were, like, by Joe Maggiorera and Humberto Ramos, who are themselves mm-hmm. just profoundly influenced by manga and anime so yeah. i don't know yeah it's, it's i mean who, it's like it's like how many so so for the for people who went to art, art school sorry james for the other <laughs> no did you guys ever have instructors just call you out for it just point blank like oh this anime crap Definitely. oh yeah i i think there's a real snobbery about anime in mm-hmm. western uh education and also just animation people generally not all of them certainly but you see it amongst kind of an older set who's sort of like, you know, prioritized Disney. I've heard it from people I really admired. And I'm like, well, you know, why, why is only one style good? I don't get it. You know, like mm-hmm. I can understand, I guess, from an educator's standpoint, like American kids or kids in an American school who are with the goal of working in American animation. I can see how if, if all you do is centered exclusively on anime or, or like primarily on anime, um, I can see that, um, I could see how it wouldn't be the best idea to like invest as much as they are potentially. Right. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so I think that's where it's coming from. I think it's broadly speaking, coming from a place of like, if you want to work in Western animation, maybe, you know, maybe you need to broaden your, your, uh, your tastes a little bit, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that's bad advice with nuance, but I think if you're talking about Twitter, which is really what we're talking about, isn't it? Um, <laughs> then if you're, if you're taking the maximalist standpoint and saying, you know, that anime is bad, I think that's, you know, you, you just, it's, it's not enough of a discussion, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I think, I think the, the, uh, um, and I totally agree with you, Max, for what you said about from the educator's point of view, I think where it gets a little bit more, um, and I'm just projecting here because this is what I've been through, <laughs> but like, mm-hmm. but I think, but I think they sometimes they can use that reasoning for sure and it's sound logic you know to expose you to different 
uh, styles and foundational skills to prepare you for a world that isn't anime centric. That sounds all great, but it's, it's so often gets intertwined just with the gut reaction of looking down on um, it, you know? And, and also there's an element um, where I feel like, I don't know if this is true and I don't want to say this is true for everybody that's ever said anime is bad, but maybe even an element of xenophobia in there that I find a little disconcerting at times. So I just feel Mm -hmm. like we just have to be careful with the way that, um, especially when we're talking about it and, 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 um, and how we're, you know, talking about it with younger people um, that, you know, that, that you look at it from that point of view as well. So I think that's what, that's what made me think about this topic for real. Um, when we were, when I was like coming up with my list of discourses. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, it's just so, it's so weird to me. I mean, there's definitely that element, Helen, that you were talking about of, 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 it's almost seen as something childish. Like if you're an artist mm-hmm. that likes anime or draws anime, you are, you just haven't matured yet. Mm-hmm. Is that like, and mm-hmm. that, that is very um, destructive as an idea. Is this totally. idea that, that you have to get out of that phase in order to be able to grow up as an artist. That mm-hmm. is ridiculous. I think uh, one thing I want to, oh, sorry, James. You no, please, Nicholas, go for it. I think like the, the thing that occurs to me that was helpful for me formatively in art school, <laughs> we keep coming back to art school, but um, was like, not, I, th- I think there's a, there's a, a, a middle way to go with this one. And I think that um, as a young artist, like I said, I came into art school with like, I draw Spider-Man and I like comics and I want to draw like <laughs> comic artists. And some friends of mine and, and people in general like came in and they were like, I like anthropomorphic animals and I am a furry and I want to draw anthropomorphic animals. And, and some people also came in with like, I just love manga and anime and I want to do this. And I think all of those different perspectives, like at least I can speak for my own. I needed a professor to separate me from some of my early influences um, just for a time with respect mm-hmm. to them, like without dissing them or putting them down, but just to say like, that's wonderful that you're interested in this. Let's set that aside for now and pursue just sort of the underlying stuff of the craft. Cause I think mm-hmm. sometimes when you are just drawing to try and like click with that online community or that one style, you can take on all of the like shorthand and all of the mistakes yeah. that are kind of embedded in, in easier versions of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think microcosms and, and like social media or, or, you know, whatever forums or something at the time. Right. Those things can be really kind of self-enforcing and like there's this echo chamber effect that it can have on your art that you can Mm -hmm. kind of, as with anything, I think a balanced diet of influences is probably healthier, even if you end up working in anime, you know, even if you work on Castlevania and like, I'm sure those people are interested in many other things and they have tons Mm -hmm. of influences, both Western and Eastern or wherever else. Like, I don't think there's necessarily one right way to, to be an artist of a genre. So I think it's important, like, you will bring more to your work if you have a balanced diet of influences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's definitely healthier ways to introduce that conversation, which I think you guys have all like touched on for sure. Yeah. 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 I think it just, it becomes right. so spicy. <laughs> on the yeah. it's just like, but no, yeah. but there's something like, I think is worth like, cause it's almost, is it's that is what you were talking about, Helen, about the idea that it is like I'm probably not the person to, to talk about this in this in this way, but the idea of that that xenophobia attached to it, right? This idea that there's something foreign that that and there's an there's an, an an automatic rejection of something that clearly has different different values 
different, and different sensibilities, sense, yeah. sensibilities, different tastes, and and it's telling the stories from different points of view, different takes on things, mm-hmm. and that I think scares a lot of people that are that might be or might come from a much more traditional, um, you know, sort of training or just like life, like like what a, a sixty year old guy like in the nineties like have to do with a teenager girl that is going through like watching Sailor Moon. Like he just cannot even <laughs> begin to like begin to appreciate. Like I was watching Sailor Moon like when I was a little kid, and I fucking <laughs> loved it. And 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 the idea that somebody would come to me and tell me that that was shit culture that you shouldn't be mm-hmm. watching is yeah. is so distracting. It just it just makes me angry right now because totally. so, yes. I owe yeah. so much of it. Like so much of my sensibilities come from those stories that I was watching as a little as a, as a kid mm-hmm. that had nothing to do with the with with the American superhero tropes you know it's like a completely different mm. you know thing and 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 again maybe maybe in europe we're a little bit it's a little bit different because we had from really early on like re- i'm talking like the, since the 70s pretty much or like even early 80s there mm. was like a lot of like japanese cartoons that came through through italy france and spain like there was like this pa- I, now like as i've been talking mm. with european people like i've realized that there was some sort of deal done with some italian network that bought a bunch of rights for like cartoons in Japan and then they distributed to like Spain and France. And we grew up with like my my car- like morning cartoons were not like American cartoons, were mostly Japanese. So like most of my generation, like I was obsessed with Dragon Ball growing up. Obsessed. <laughs> um and but I had to go, like you were saying, Nicolas, about like when you have to somewhat grow out of that phase a little bit just just to be able to open your your horizons a little bit more i went through that of then kind of almost dismissing anime a little bit too much Mm -hmm. and now i've sort of come full circle and now i think i appreciate in like specifically toriyama more than i ever did as a little kid um Mm -hmm. because i really see like what's behind the page what's behind the drawing the draftsmanship of it it's insane and as a little Mm -hmm. kid i I probably just i would just like super science but now i actually like the Mm -hmm the actual craft that goes behind it anyway this is a very touchy thing and i really like this (laughs) i mean i mean i just want to say one last thing which is i totally had the same experience as you james um i went through that phase as like a bratty kid that was told like oh don't do anime and i went through an anime hating phase i did Mm. um and Mm. i dismissed how formative it was and i probably in the most obnoxious way possible espouse that to some other people as well that when i was like um in in college you know and like and now i look back on it i'm like oh so that was just me trying to like fit in and trying to please and to be like and trying to be a real quote-unquote artist you know because it wasn't like the implication was that it wasn't real art and uh but now i think about it and probably the the thing that has kind of influenced me the most in my natural drawing style is still the og sailor moon uh tv show and you look at that show and every single Mm -hmm. time i watch it um and the draftsmanship is on another level like don't be fooled Mm -hmm. by how simple it can look just the animation and the way they draw it's oh, the no, whole no. reason I draw hands yeah. the way I do is I learned how to draw hands from that show, basically. Mm-hmm. So the anyway, of that show are so fucking great. Yeah, they're beautiful and and yeah. you know like and they and they're so like whimsical and fun and and yeah. weird with their color choices. It's awesome. Yeah, I wanted to do like a lightning round of like everyone's favorite anime really fast, Ooh, uh, okay. but it sounds like we've got James and Helen locked in. Max, was there someone who like was there an anime that like Ooh. hit you at a formative age? You know, it's funny. I, we didn't really have a lot of uh, anime on TV when I was growing up. I'm thinking I'm a little bit older than you guys. And so it just it didn't hit until later for me. 
um, which is weird. But so, so I came to it from like Miyazaki later mm-hmm. um, and fell in love with that stuff. Um, I think Kiki's is way up there for me. Kiki's delivery service. I think Kiki's was like the first one I saw too. I think the um, first one I saw was, was the spirited away or might've been that it might've been, that's a hell of a way in by the way. I mean, I'd seen other things, but that was the one that like, that like landed really hard for me. You know, I'd seen plenty mm-hmm. of things. Don't get me wrong. But like, that was the thing that like really kind of knocked me on my ass and gave yeah. me a real, that movie still does. Every single time I watch it, oh, I'm oh, just like, God. I'm just bowled over. I was like, this. Yeah. it's so, it's Oof, amazing. That was so amazing. Like it really yeah. like just broke my brain in all the best ways. Yeah. Yeah, mine too. At at that formative age, my shitty little like boy brain was like, "There's no bad guy. (laughs) What? What does this mean?" (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't comprehend it, but I I knew I loved it on this like fundamental level that I, I only like many years later kind of was like, "Oh, masculinity is sometimes very bad." (laughs) Yeah. Totally. Gundam Wing got got to me at like a like a key age too. I'm not sure if it was like as huge a like visual influence, but like an emotional, like thematic, like just taste kind of influence. It's, that was huge. And mm-hmm, which show mm-hmm. is this? Gundam Wing. So that like oh. tsunami block. Like my friends were all watching Dragon Ball Z, and I was like, it doesn't have enough politics and <laughs> cool outfits. You're in that me. kid. Yeah. <laughs> Snooty little son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, oh man! Are we ready for the next topic? Net, the next one is uh, networking. So this one comes up a lot, and it's like in conjunction with several other types of you know discourse that comes up, like you know LA being um, an animation hub and distance and breaking mm-hmm. in and things like that. So I kind of wanted to see if you guys wanted to talk broadly about uh, that kind of stuff. Let's do it. Do you yeah. think that crosses over into like conventions and stuff as well to a certain extent? I, I think so. I think I think this one might mm-hmm. be one of those juicier topics, you know, like yeah. because it is there is so many sides to it. I don't want to dismiss all of the, um, you know, rightful criticisms of it. But I also want to kind of just talk about it um, from, you know, what I've experienced and what I've seen. And, um, you know, maybe maybe you guys can, too. <laughs> I think yeah, a lot of social media crosses over with networking, doesn't it? Like so many. Mm-hmm. People, I mean, you know, the, Helen, the, re- the reason, you know, we met was largely social media and everything else. And then we also mm-hmm. spoke at Lightbox, uh, it, like the virtual one last year. Mm-hmm. And like that stuff was really fun. It, like, I think there's so much of, we've kind of touched on this in previous pods of like finding your tribe and um, finding the people that you have a lot in common with. And social media can do a bit of that. But of course, as it crosses over into work, you know, I think that starts to get a little bit um, more complicated, but social media is very tied into pe- the way people find work these days and just like being cool with each other online and making friends online, even if you're not in LA, although frequently, mm-hmm. you know, we do, you know, meet in person as well sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, that's the other thing too, is that, I mean, this is going to cross over to other topics as well. We're going to find well, social media as its own thing. But, uh, but I do, f- I mean, like, I do feel like, um, a lot of really great artists uh, that I see online on Twitter, um, I do uh, actually forward them to recruiters and stuff. And yeah, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And and actually, like uh, like even um, when we're talking about you know my um, at work when we're kind of talking about who we envision our team to be, um, a lot of times uh, the people that we've picked and shared their work with that resonate with us have I've never met them. I've only ever seen yeah. their Twitter profile. It's really mm. kind of crazy how that's kind of um, going through. And not all of them, uh, I don't want people to hear this and assume that they were people with huge followings either. 
Exactly. Um, some of them are under 2000 and, uh, just come across their profile one day because I follow mm-hmm. a lot of, um, I, I like to curate my feed. A lot of the people I do follow for art, um, have a certain aesthetic and a lot of times they also retweet things that fit that aesthetic. And so it just mm-hmm. kind of like happens from there. Um, but I, I, I just want to caution people into thinking, um, too far either way, right. Thinking that the pool is too small versus too big, <laughs> like, like yeah. there, cause there's yeah. opportunity there. It's not a zero sum game. Um, and yeah, luck does play a factor and possibly, you know, your follower account or social media reach might play a factor here and there, but it's not a foregone conclusion. And so it's kind of like, mm-hmm. it's just, uh, it's, it's just, there's, there's so much possibility now and um and and i don't want it to feel like networking is this exclusive club that you only get into at a certain uh follower account or a certain connection here or whatever and that um sometimes maybe what they're experiencing really is that awkward time phase where it just takes time to get to Mm -hmm. where you want to go and that Mm -hmm. means interacting with people in uh, a way where they want to interact with you back um you know continually showing your work continually honing your skills um and so i just want people to to know that even if it doesn't seem like it's happening now and it's because you don't have your network it doesn't mean it can't in the future and that you shouldn't be working towards it you know yeah i think to this to the extent that like you can express us you know you're talking about like uh people that you want to interact with. Right. I think there is so much of like, if you can put your personality forward a little bit to, so that, cause it's not just about the work either. The work is obviously what, you know, gets your foot in the door to, you mm-hmm. know, to whatever extent it does. Then you also have to like be a cool person that you want to work with after mm-hmm. that, you know, like yeah. nobody wants to work with a genius who's terrible in, in the room or like, you know, sucks all the air out of the room. Like you want to work with people that you gel well with that you can speak about things with. Like I, and, and bounce ideas off of and be vulnerable with like a lot of art is about like expressing rough ideas and that aren't fully formed and aren't perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in like a concept art kind of um, context where you're throwing whatever at the wall. And mm-hmm. like, I think being able to be, be good about taking um, criticism and being able to give it constructively. I think those are huge topics mm-hmm. that, that like, if you can speak um, intelligently online, leave good comments on people's work um, and that kind of thing, that's networking, right? Like leaving cool comments. I've met real friends like that, like mm-hmm. legitimately good friends who have mm. gotten work because of that. Um, I mean, hell, this, this whole podcast is full of people that started <laughs> exactly that way, right? Like the only reason yeah. we know each other is broadly because of social media and being cool with each other. Like mm-hmm. that's how that happens, you know? Yeah. And then, and then also an example of that in the workplace is like, I think that the reason that people end up seeing, um, having this idea that animation is this exclusive club and people only hire friends and that's what networking is and how, uh, toxic, like they, they have this, like a little bit of a toxic spin on this idea, but I think the reality of what happens, and I want to give an example, um, for me is, uh, I, I, my first animation job ever was on Frank and Weenie. Uh, it was like the stop motion mm-hmm. film that Tim Burton had <laughs> done a long yeah. time ago. Uh, I was only on it for about three or four months. It was a very short gig. I was actually still going to school. So I had to like pack up and go back to school afterwards. Um, but, uh, but six years later, um, I ended up working on another movie where it was my first shot at being art director. And the reason they gave me that shot is because everybody on that show that I worked with on Frank and Weenie was on that movie. 
and they had known me. They knew what I was like to work with and um, they wanted to work with me again. And they gave me, um, you know, like crossing over from just an artist to an art director is can be hard sometimes because it requires kind of a different skill set. And it would have been hard for Mm. me to make that jump uh, unless people trusted me with that. You know what I mean? And so this group of people, the same production designer had had the same um, producers. They trusted me because we had worked together before and it was a really great experience. And so, um, so like, uh, so I, I understand the frustration people have when they talk about this topic and kind of relate it back to like the idea of nepotism. But in reality, one of the things that you want to do when you go on to a show is to have people that you know and um, know you can work well with, especially um, on something that maybe has a tight schedule or maybe something that is going to be super hard to do and you just can't afford to have all new people. You have to have some veterans there. You know what I mean? And because it's because because it's it's just I mean, this job is hard. Like animation is so hard. And it's such a personality job as well. You have to mesh with so many yes. different people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's just like, it's just hard to get away from that fact. So, I mean, so that's the, that's kind of for me, like a little bit of the the reality of it. And you can kind of like, either you hate that or you don't, but. No, um, I get it. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I want to say a couple of things. I'm probably going to forget one of them by the end, but <laughs> essentially, basically one of them is that I really like what you said early on, uh, Helen, about this, like there's a difference between networking and building a network. Mm -hmm. Because networking feels like a very direct line to, I just want to know people so I can, you know, uh, in a very selfish way so they can further my career. And that's how I feel like a lot of people feel about networking, that that it's it's everybody's there with like some sort of like hidden interest and they're all manipulating Mm -hmm. each other's careers and like pushing each other to like, and the reality is that it's the other way around. It's the, like people that want to do that, they get very, like they get very much rejected very quickly because it's very Mm -hmm. obvious when someone is trying to get something off you. Mm -hmm. When building a network on the other way is you are very slowly year after year and that's what normally these networks start in school because it requires a lot of time and people spending time with people you slowly start building a network around you that Mm -hmm. reaches into all these different studios and then communication gets sort of shared and moves around Mm. but it's a very long process It's, it's slowly you start building all these connections and i think that's that's something that for anybody that is listening should like take you know, do it early on because because all the connections that you start building, like since your start, could let you know, like it happened in your case, Helen, like years mm-hmm. later, could be the ones bringing like coming back and being like, hey, I, I have an opportunity for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the talking about uh, the idea of of um, meritocracy and uh, nepotism is that. Again, there's this idea sometimes that it's all nepotism. Everybody's recommending their friends and their their relatives or whoever they know, whatever. The reality is that anybody that is in that sphere deserves to be there, like has enough mm-hmm. merit to be there. So yeah. it is yeah. in itself exactly. a, a meritocracy because everybody that is at that level deserves to be part of like considered for that job. So just mm-hmm. because you're, when you started out, feels like you're fighting with this sort of glass ceiling it's just because there's a lot of people that deserve to be there that have worked really hard to be there so mm-hmm. it's not like there's space for everybody but it's going to take a while for you to find the little spot where you can like show up it's never going to be yeah. like but if yeah. you if you fight and if you push to get in it's going to be harder to get i think like again 
building yourself up and seeing everybody around you grow and you grow with them. And, and that's where you start like, you know, getting more opportunities coming up. I don't know. Those were mm-hmm. my ideas. Yeah. And, and, and definitely, and I've, um, I talked about this a little bit with you guys before this started, but yeah, I mean, I've definitely, um, even, uh, as like, especially if I get, you know, an email now, uh, for a job and I can't take it, I, I now have a Rolodex of people that I know who are either available for work, really good to work with or just really talented and it's like and it's i'm not i'm not shy about passing people along to those uh, other people i feel like everybody in animation um i I know you guys probably are like this too we're not trying to keep anybody out we want our space to grow you know we want our community to grow we want opportunities for everybody i think in the earlier part of somebody's career and in school especially school is bad for this there's a competitive air that happens. Um, and, uh, you know, that, 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 um, I just feel like at the end of the day, uh, doesn't really help anybody in the industry. And at a certain point you kind of forget about it. And, um, I don't want that to sound like too, uh, condescending or anything, but it's true. It's, it's, it's at, at, when you, at a certain point, it's like, when you're in it and when you're working with people and moving from show to show and you see who you're working with and the people that are there, you want, you kind of want everybody to succeed, you know? Yeah. You're all working towards one goal. It's all for the betterment of the, of the project. Mm -hmm. Like the ego kind of falls away and it's all about, well, in the healthy situations anyway, it's all about what's good for the show. What's good for the industry generally. It's, you know, and for Mm -hmm. the company, it's like, it's all, you know, all for the betterment. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, like, I think probably there's some people at home listening to this sort of thing that feel like they're the exception to this, or that they haven't been able to, like, catch that wave or find that network or, you know, um, and I know a couple of friends that occurred, like, when I think of this question about networking and, and they're, they live in remote places and they feel like they're trying on social media, but it's not getting any traction. And I feel like there's probably a pretty large community of people like that out there. Um, so I just, I guess I kind of want to just acknowledge like that there is still also like a, an aspect of like absolute luck <laughs> that mm-hmm. like mm. plays a role in this of like, where are you and and who's around you and and where can you get to you know like where can you afford to get to and um uh and even then it's not automatic you know you can't just go to LA and just go to like stand on a street corner and hope mm-hmm. that you run into somebody um yeah. you know uh or or you know you might go to a a convention thinking that you're going to like finally get your big break and wind up coming home empty-handed and um yeah i think a lot of us throughout our careers experience those moments of disappointment or feelings Mm -hmm. of uh, frustrated ambition where Mm -hmm. you feel like you did everything you could and you deserve it. Um, And I think ultimately it's, it's just been a matter, at least in my experience of like throwing yourself at it enough times and not giving up. And Mm -hmm. that's a hard one to hear. I think, you know, when when you feel frustrated, but it is, it is, is, but it's the truth. Like that's like in, in, you know, I didn't have a network when I started, you know, I, I came from from being in Barcelona working in games and I didn't know anybody in the animation industry. And I just went to CTN three years in a row. I spent all my savings just going to there and I didn't know anyone in LA. But, you know, you realize that everybody in that plane, everybody has portfolios, everybody has like little <laughs> Zelda keychains and stuff like that. And you're just like, oh, these are, these are my people. <laughs> the way in, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, they have blue hair, they have blue hair. Oh no, I'm doomed. 
<laughs> yeah, but then like, yeah. oh, everybody here, all these kids my age are all trying to do the same thing that I'm doing. So I'm not going to want to become friends with the people that are really established. I want to become friends with the people that, that are, you know, in my in my field. And then those are like the next year, everybody comes back and then you start building those friendships. And But it, it, like, it took me three CTNs mm, to get crazy. my first break into any like LA job. Like mm-hmm. it took me like three at least. Yes, I think, you know, you just gotta try. Yeah, I mean, I, I applied to Disney twice and got rejected twice before yeah. I actually got hired there. Um, yeah. And and both times I cried my eyes out. I was, I was so upset, um, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's but 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 you just apply again, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's what's so great about like some of the opportunities that are coming up now, and what's so great actually about this pandemic is just how much people have started to embrace just remote ways of not just working, but communicating. And I think we saw that, um, you know, the first light box was so um, such a great experience of, of people coming together and being on site, but then the digital one had its merits as well. Yeah. And um, like, I mean, we did the Max, you did this as well. Like we, we had this whole discord thing. Yeah. Um, their, their discord page for um, light box is still going, you know, there's just, mm-hmm. there is kind of like a, a new um, like, opening up of possibilities, you know, for people who are maybe, um, physically far away, um, mm-hmm. and, and hard, it's yeah. hard for them to feel like they're a part of the community. Totally. Mm. Yeah. It's exciting that, that, that digital light box last year was like a real surprise. And I think especially in the context of just such a miserable year, it was like, mm-hmm. definitely so lovely <laughs> to just get to connect yeah. with you guys and, mm-hmm. and feel like a part of a community again. Um, so it's possible. I mean, it's it's online, you know, but it still felt like a breath of fresh air, you know, mm-hmm. it was enough to like <laughs> microdose, like, okay, good. Phew. Yeah. There are people well, out this, there. Honestly, this podcast has become that for me Yeah, as, as like a regu- regular drip feed of connecting with artists and nerding out about mm. stuff that only we care about that we couldn't bore our families with. <laughs> you know, it's it's been 100%. really nice to like have these conversations and, and you know, have you on Helen is just been really things like this are so nice to, to mm-hmm. be able to do and check in with people and make sure everybody's doing okay in weird times you know yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so we so we pick up one more topic before ending yeah. this oh okay. which one do you guys want to do there's so, so many here there is nick do you want to uh, i think i feel nick is going to have a good mm-hmm. instinct about this oh gosh uh, okay oh, yeah. let's, let nick, me just let's just go through yeah. them really quick good right drive. Right <laughs> we've got get good <laughs> <laughs> maybe we shouldn't do that one probably a little bit spicy <laughs> Let's talk about working for exposure. <laughs> Let's do it. When you, uh, Helen, when you when you brought this topic to the list, like what 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 came to mind immediately for you? Well, uh, I mean, I feel like all of us have experienced um, a version of this of like, will you do this thing, this X thing for exposure? And mm. I feel like, um, you know, there's so many like fun uh, parody accounts and like memes about it, you know, and that it comes up every once in a while. And I'm always kind of surprised to still see people defend it a little bit. So I wanted to talk yeah. about it and what exposure and what that means. And um, if there is something you would do for exposure, you know, like, but not, not payment and see what you guys say. <laughs> oh yeah. You're asking oh, what wow. I would expose myself for? Uh, yeah. Yeah. In short. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. I'm sorry. Oh. Yeah. Max, how, what's the, what's the amount? What's the, what, limit? what's the limit? Oh, I may have misunderstood the question. <laughs> um, oh man. Cause I think honestly, if I'm really frank, that there is probably some some thing somewhere that I 
would at least be so like fundamentally tempted mm -hmm. uh to work on for exposure like x company like like a big um, one it would even be a specific project for me i think you know oh, yeah really? this yeah. this book that you love from your childhood is being adapted um and we think you'd be the right one to like i don't know like for me it's maybe like unpaid art tests comes into this too i don't mm. know if this if you'd group this the same uh topic but i think i would you know what i never thought about it that way but it is a little bit connected like would you take on a thing knowing you aren't paid for the possibility of a better thing right it's kind of the same yeah, yeah. It's the same yeah. gamble right yeah. with your yeah. time and yeah um and I've 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 categorically refused historically, and sometimes it's been really hard and really heartbreaking. And mm -hmm. had like a publisher come to me with something incredible, a book I won't name names, but that I was like, oh my gosh, that would just change my life. It would be amazing. Was it the dictionary? It was the, my favorite book, the dictionary, Max. Thank you <laughs> yeah. to say. I you know just love. It all seems those like a lot of work, words. but man, that'd be big exposure. <laughs> it was. It's Everyone's got one. Man. You know, it's it's a, it's a household name. <laughs> <laughs> well uh, that's funny too because i did realize uh i mean i haven't historically had to take many art tests uh, because it's like uh like the training program at disney was the test in of, of itself is mm -hmm, getting through mm -hmm. the program you know but like but but it feels like it's something more that happens in tv maybe and maybe more in publishing so i'm just not very mm. in i'm just not in those spaces as much and so maybe that's why i haven't come across it but yeah mm um yeah, but i, I did get it but it's but it's too. true though um sorry i didn't mean to cut you off mm -mm -mm. Oh, go, go, go. i will say though i mean i do get the odd publishing request once in a while and every single time if they do ask for an art test i'm like i just can't i just i i'm so tired you guys <laughs> yeah. i i already work and um and 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 i have the um and thankfully and and you know not taking for granted at all but the fact that i don't need it but i but what if it, especially if it's something that i don't really um connect with or whatever it's like it's for me it's an immediate no because i'm yeah. not going to take yeah. the test i think what's funny about like implicitly coming after you and asking you to work for exposure is funny because it's like well you knew about me already so <laughs> why <laughs> what do i get out of it that i don't already have because it led you to me so uh -huh. i do see those things sometimes it's yeah. really weird yeah so i don't true. know i think the the exposure thing just it comes at like once a year at least and it's always like I don't even like the moment I, I, I see that this, like, I just close the email. I don't even, nah, yeah, there's no need to even go back. But no, you're not say, tempted? No tempting? Nothing? No, nothing. no I don't. I, I, I know that we all want to send them those emails that, like, are like, I'm going to prove to you how wrong this is. And I'm going to, like, I don't, I'm like, literally, I'm like, I have no interest on, on, on spending any amount of time dealing yeah. with this crap. I'll work for free, though, if and only if. If it's a big studio or a big brand, no. Because you're, if you're a big studio or a big brand, you have exactly, money yeah. to pay. That's mm -hmm. just like offensive. If it comes directly from the source of a project. So let's say just throwing names out there, like Guillermo del Toro comes to me and says, James, I need some drawings and some art to pitch this idea that I have for an animated movie to DreamWorks or for whoever. And I, you know, I don't have a lot of cash. I mean, it's not the case because he has have it, but anyway. I'll be like, uh, you You have my entire body. You can do with me whatever you want. <laughs> like, wow. well, well, I'll well. do anything. Oh. I'll so this do anything. topic is not as it, black and white as I thought it was. No, I, I, that, but that's the thing. is because, the, but, but I'm not doing it for the chance of exposure. I'm doing it because of 
the chance of collaborating with someone that I deeply respect and I yeah. and I admire. Because that mm-hmm. that really is something that in a lot of jobs like you don't even get just because you have a job doesn't mean that it's gonna be fulfilling artistically. Right. You have a job. And if if you what you're giving me is the opportunity to feel very like that I'm engaged artistically in something that is interesting and daring. I would take it because just because that's that sounds so exciting. I mean, probably I will have to take it for like maybe a month or two at most. But mm. yeah, that would be a a, re- a reason why I would do it. So interesting yeah. that Guillermo del Toro, like, because for me, I think the thing I would do for free, really truly, that I have done for like discounted stuff or like quite quite low or or free in the past is like if it's something I really believe in and somebody that I know on like a personal yeah. level that mm-hmm. I feel. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it would be like a, a stars in my eyes famous person came and spoke to me, and oh my gosh, I, I can't help myself. Like it would have to be somebody that I already like love dearly, and and just independently, like something comes up out of me, and I'm like, yeah, let's just let's figure this out, you know, like mm-hmm. together, and it's not a money thing. Let's just like make something beautiful. Um, and you know, and then that's subject to like, you know, can I can I squeeze this in? Um, yeah, but. The, the the for exposuring that I've gotten in the past is an almost never right on the surface. It's usually around six or seven emails deep <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. with people, clients who come in and I'm sure in my bones, these people are loaded. They're brand names that are huge. You know, like there's no question that there's going to be a decent rate here. So I'm not even going to bring it up. You know, we're just going to talk about the creativity and the idea and like the, you know, the details. And then finally, casually, like later in the conversation, I throw in like, Oh, and by the way, of course, like, you know, there's going to be compensation. Right. And they're like, no, never. (laughs) It's like all this time. (laughs) And that's happened to me. I, I don't know why I keep falling for the same thing, but it's happened to me like at least like three or four times notably and <laughs> every time i'm like oh my gosh really really the american <laughs> house i should probably that's the one i will name bleep it you have to bleep it, <laughs> bleep it. <laughs> bleep it. the american yeah, deep house please <laughs> censor this for me i'll bleep it or the, or the, or the bleep american uh, white house the bleep the, the bleep white house <laughs> that's great yeah sounds Which like i swore house? at the white house yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> Well, I'll tell you the one thing I actually, I don't know if this qualifies, but in my mind, it kind of qualifies as for exposure, sort of. Um, I've been doing more work for publishing um, for magazines like uh, 3D Total or something like that, or Imagine Effects. And they'll, you know, they ask, they have uh, artist-friendly sorts of terms that give you rights to your work Mm -hmm. after a short period of time, but they don't pay you know, a ton. They don't pay what yeah. I would ordinarily charge, right? Oh, um, no way. Yeah. Well, and so I've been yeah. doing some work for them for two reasons. A, because my brushes are doing well enough where it's not all about the money for me. I do like mm-hmm. being able to give back and um, and I'm flattered that they would ask. I like being able to like help um, young artists who would be the, you know, the target demo for this stuff. Um, and the other part of it is it's kind of marketing for my brushes to a certain extent. So like mm-hmm. I am getting some benefit to this stuff and it is exposure. You know, the exposure is a definite part of it, right? Um, there's no question that without the exposure of a publisher and getting in in Barnes and Nobles and stuff, I wouldn't be doing this. If it was just like, you know, on some random website, they don't have anything to give me. I wouldn't give the same project product to anybody, but a publisher who I like to work with. And they tend to be, you know, 
nice people to work with. They're really like understanding and cool and they understand exactly what they offer and how much they charge for it. Um, and there are no, no illusions that they are, you know, making me rich off of it. Right. And so yeah. I, I do that because I can, I wouldn't have done it if I was strapped for cash or, you know, but the fact is I have other sources of income that make it possible for me to do this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's as much as I kind of, dip into that. And I also honestly feel kind of conflicted taking those rates. And I usually, by the way, negotiate them quite a bit higher than they start. (laughs) Um, uh, Mm -hmm. Because not just for myself, but for other artists who can, who rely on this income, right? Like Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm a a big believer in talking about rates, uh, transparency in rates and transparency in in artist payment, uh, because it allows all of us to get what we're worth. Um, and there's mm. a lot of discourse uh, maybe another spicy topic for another time Oof. would be, mm. maybe um, this is an off air one. Yeah. 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 yeah we could stay after this. Cause otherwise like sure, studios sure. would like de- destroy us. <laughs> oh, I'm, not necessarily, I'm not necessarily about to start talking rates, but I do think like between artists, like I think asking people like, Hey, you know, what did you charge this, this, uh, this studio? I think it's worth, you know, within reason being transparent about it because ultimately yeah. we should all be getting paid fairly. We should all be, able to make a healthy living wage and not undercut each other just for the sake of not even exposure, just, you know, experience and, and getting our foot in the door and all these things. It's kind of related mm. in my mind. So you, you bring up something interesting that isn't, um, that I think is similar. I don't know if you guys participated in it, but there was this one book that came out that was like, like some ridiculous number of character designers had to do like, uh, all drew like a face or something to their specs and they sent it in they printed this book and it like did really well on kickstarter and had all this money i did um, this. you did this this is, this is After... character design uh quarter masters or something like that oh, it was yeah. like yeah. A... oh yeah I... they robin hood too. nick just says something too spicy for this podcast i'm gonna <laughs> like <laughs> we're gonna start from here yeah <laughs> i named names uh <laughs> but yeah that was predatory huh i felt so yeah yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that, I mean, I've, I, I've been part of some of those collective books, let's call it like that, like collective artist books and stuff. And, and and again, I think like I did it really early on in my career and I I was so excited about being part of one of those books. And I feel that because the, it, it allowed me to have like pieces that I could use for my, for my portfolio right. that had been published, that I had been worked with them, that people were, had eyes on them. Like I do remember like putting some of those in my portfolio and early on people saying like, oh, you did, I really like this stuff that I saw in the book, like you were the author of this and that led to all the conversation. So again, I if if there's anything positive to say about these sort of books, I, I understand that I wouldn't do it now, but the, I think there's a place for them in the industry, I think especially back th- those those all those years ago, it was much harder to like publish your 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 own stuff or like sending stuff like in that caliber to people. I think now between Gumroad and all these other like platforms, it would it wouldn't be as successful. But I think like that those six seven years ago, I think it was, it made more sense. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. My five cents on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Helen, I mean, since you brought up the question to begin with and asked, like, is there anything we would do for free? Is there anything that you would do for exposure or for free? Actually, you know what? It's similar to your guys' answer. I have done free work or heavily discounted work before for properties that I like. Um, mm. uh, and, uh, or, or for people that I like, um, like I did the poster for THU one year. That was yeah. very um, cool, by the way. You know, and so it's like, uh, it's it, like, like, 
but it has to be stuff like that. And I have done stuff for my friend, like my friend Rad, um, when he was pitching Kipo, he needed a painting. So I did that for him um, to sell the show. Mm-hmm. So um, I think he paid me in steaks. Like he paid me in a steak dinner for that one. Mm. So, you know, <laughs> not like, yeah. not like a, a steak, like a, a percentage of the project ownership, like literally. No, 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 no. Me, like me in a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, you know, like, so, yeah. So, you know, I, I guess what it is, is like, yeah, at the end of the day, um, the, the concept of it gets, the, uh, you know, doing stuff for exposure does get mis- uh, abused, especially by those looking for free work. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, you just do what you're comfortable with and you know um, what will serve your career and your relationships best. And I guess, mm-hmm. I guess go for, it. I mean, I sleep fine at night knowing that I got stakes for a painting. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you sleep fine, full of meat and have just some slightly <laughs> weird meat dreams. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you for coming, Helen. This has been, this has been so nice. This has been really a delight. <laughs> I hope I hope you don't guys don't have to edit out too much or 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 just you know do some bleeps all on a day. <laughs> don't worry, I'm gonna, this whole ever. thing, this episode is gonna be a, a one hour bleep. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. If you want to contact us or reach out in any way, you can do so through Twitter using the handle nextspacepod or by email at hello at negativespacepod.com. The music is by the always amazing Francisco Ojeda. Thank you for spending some time with us. Bye-bye.